Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello and welcome to Indians on Deck. We are venturing forth into a brave new season in the year 2020. I'm Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, how are you? I'm excited to be talking prospects again in 2020. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> we might be a little out of practice with the podcasting, but we're not out of practice when it comes to talking prospects. I say we dive right in because we do have a lot to get to. Every off season. We'll put out a call for members of the Let's Go Tribe community to vote on who they feel the top 20 prospects are. Brian, you once again did a fucking awesome job herding cats, putting that together and writing the write-ups for all of the players. Uh, And let's go ahead and kick it off and talk about what we ended up finding out this year about how the community feels about our prospects. Yeah, Um, it was... Uh, really interesting. I think there were some obvious things that were going to happen. Um, there were a few players that were good last year that that already were highly ranked and had great seasons, like Tyler Freeman and Nolan Jones. So that's not a huge shocker that they uh, exploded up. And then there was obviously a number one prospect that didn't play the whole season, so he was going to go down. So those were, and, and that's actually right there at the beginning. So we'll start. Nolan Jones was our new number one, and he's pretty much become the number one Indians prospect in just about every single ranking I've seen across the board. So that's not a huge shocker. I mean, he's at double A right now. He's got power. He's got size. He's got an incredible eye at the plate. And as long as he can keep developing his contact rate, like he could be special. So have you watched, like, or at least paid attention to, like, how any prospects have been doing in games? You probably haven't had a chance to see them in spring training, but have you seen anything? Like, even on Twitter, people posting, like, hey, here's how prospects did today or something. I, full disclosure, haven't been able to pay hardly any attention to spring training, which stinks. But Mm -hmm. part of that's because I have a new job, which is neither here nor there, but... It sounds like you've been keeping tabs on some of these performances. Well, the thing that stands out with Nolan Jones is he hasn't got a lot of hits, but it seems like every game he's like 0 for 1 with two or three walks. I like it. <laughs> every game. You just see, you know, how here's how all the Indians have done today. Somebody was like 1 for 3, somebody's 1 for 2, and then Nolan Jones, 0 for 1, two walks. It seems like that's ev- that's that's what I'm seeing every day. Like the fact that his patience at the plate is translating at the spring training level is exciting to me. So I, I'm, I'm pumped to see where he goes this year. Yeah. And he's from what I've seen is it like top 50 overall in major league baseball on most lists now, which is really cool. And I just feel like we've had so many third baseman prospects in relatively recent Indians history that were like, yes, he's going to be incredible. And then they end up 
moving to right field and never fulfilling their potential or moving to first base and then never fulfilling their potential. And I guess Jose Ramirez is the aberration, but he wasn't really a, a heralded prospect. And he wasn't a third base prospect. Yeah. He, he was a shortstop. <laughs> what I'm he saying is, is Nolan yeah. Jones is the one. I hope. I really do. He's he's my Neo. <laughs> <laughs> So then uh, next up, number two, and these were all voted on by the people. So I had the only say I had in it was my one vote that I made. Uh, but number two, as voted on by the LGT community, was Tyler Freeman. Um, he had a really great 2019 as well. Started at single A and actually showcased uh, an improved eye at the plate and had uh, and was getting hit by a lot of pitches. <laughs> so his on-base percentage got a huge spike on top of the fact that he was still already hitting the cover off the ball. So he earned a promotion to high A, and he hit well there too. So he also had, I think, one of the lowest strikeout rates in the Indian system last year. So that's really exciting. He stuck at shortstop, which I didn't know if he would be able to do, but he's been able to do it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him at double A at some point this year. They may start him at high A because – that's where he kind of played the last half of the season. And he's another player that's consistently ranked in the the top 100 uh, overall prospects. Like Baseball America has him in there. So, yeah, or I'm, not baseball, uh, MLB Pipeline. So, I'm really excited about him, too. Mm-hmm. And I know he's gotten to see a little bit of action in spring training. Uh, the latest thing I'm seeing here, this was from a couple days ago, but I guess he's three for nine so far. Yeah. And then also his brother grounded out to him in a game, yep. which is kind of cool. Yeah, his brother got drafted, I think, two years after he did. And uh, the Indians played the team that drafted him. I forget which team it was that drafted him, maybe the Rangers. And uh, they had them exchange lineups at the beginning of the game, which was pretty cool. So, yeah, Freeman, Freeman's special. Uh, the only issue with him, obviously, is he doesn't have a lot of power yet. Um, he has good gap power. Like, he hits a ton of doubles. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like he's just sprinkling singles constantly. Like he had, like what really stood out to me was, I think it was two years ago when he was at Mahoning Valley, when he just was so much better than every other player offensively in that league. He had as many doubles that season as just about any Indians full season player. Oh, that always bodes well for a middle infielder too. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and basically playing half the games. And he was blasting that many doubles and, and he was doing it as, you know, a prep player. So like an 18, 19 year old. So yeah, he's, he's definitely somebody that I'm really excited about. And if he can actually add a little bit of muscle and pop and pop, like and start hitting the ball over the fence, like, you know, nobody thought Jose Ramirez or Francisco Lindor could turn into a power hitter. And I'm not ever expecting Freeman to, but I mean, if, if Freeman starts to to at least get a few over the fence a little bit more often, like he be he will just rocket ship up up the rankings because that's really the one of the only things holding him back right now. Yeah, if he adds a little power and proves moving forward, he can definitely stick it short. Like that's <laughs> he suddenly becomes elite. And then uh, number three. I was a little surprised that he was still this high, but I think, you know, nostalgia. Uh, but Tristan McKenzie, he missed all of 2019. He uh, injured uh, a muscle in his back during spring training last year. And then I found out, I think it was he injured uh, maybe a shoulder or something after that. Um, and they just shut him down and he didn't end up pitching the whole season. 
I actually got a chance to meet him at tribe fest. Um, Oh, cool. So that was, that was really cool. Um, I, I, I just briefly chatted and uh, I was just like, Hey, it's good to see you back. And he's like, man, it's so good to be back. And I was like, yeah, it must've been really frustrating for you last year. And he's like, you have no idea, man. You have no idea. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if he's actually made any spring training appearances, but I know that he's throwing, I know he's healthy and uh, the Indians just announced that they sent him to minor league camp. So mm-hmm. he was in one of the first rounds of cuts, but he was added to the 40 man roster. He's healthy. He's pitching. And as long as he stays healthy, it looks like he's going to be uh, ready to start the the regular season when it starts for the minor leagues. So that's 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 really good news, especially after what happened last year. And everything I've seen does say he is healthy now. I'm looking at an article WKYC put together talking to him, just saying like he's he's excited. He wants to prove the lost time's not going to set him back, and that his number one goal is to just stay healthy. So mm-hmm. I'm. I'm hopeful. I'm very I just hopeful. don't know. <laughs> we spent all of last season joking about whether or not he was alive and oh my god, we have a sighting that like it But you know, he is alive, he's in camp, <laughs> he's throwing, he's going to play this year. We're gonna see him in action. Yes. So that's and really I, good news. I'm hoping he gets the triple A quickly so I can pretend that I'm a major league scout and yeah <laughs> report back. I, I've joked about it, and but I really do believe it. If you read uh, my our starting pitcher preview that was posted on uh, Let's Go Tribe today, like in my prospect outlook, I mentioned that the Indians Columbus rotation this year is possibly going to be better than several Major League Baseball rotations. Yeah, I, I listed out the five probables, but I mean, if Clevenger comes back, then they'd have to send either Playsack, Plutko, well, they can't send Plutko down, but they'd have to send either Playsack or uh, Savali down. And uh, if they do that, then I, it's a hundred percent that the AAA rotation is going to be better than some major league teams. Oh yeah, uh, not counting Savali or Playsack because one of them at some point will probably have to go down. But uh, not counting them, you have potentially McKenzie, you have uh, Scott Moss, you have Logan Allen. You have Jeffrey Rodriguez, um, Sam Henkes, and then you factor in uh, a Playsack and uh, or a Savali, and then you also have like Eli Morgan, Adam Scott. I mean, it's crazy. Just real quick, do you think Morgan will start at AAA, or do you think he's going to start in Akron, and if he shows development, they'll bump him up pretty quickly? Well, last year he was insanely good at high a then he bumped up to double a and he was really good at first and then he tailed off like he he really did not pitch that great down the stretch like i think he maybe got a little tired i'm not sure um so i would i would think they're going to start him at double a we should probably wait because he is one of our top 20 so we'll get oh sorry (laughs) (laughs) so yeah we're getting ahead of ourselves uh number four daniel johnson people are really excited about him and for good reason. I mean, he was the the centerpiece of the Jan Gomes trade. We've already had a good return on the Jan Gomes trade with um, uh, Jeffrey Rodriguez giving us some quality starts last year as a you know as a substitute pitcher, uh, starting pitcher. But Johnson's the guy that people are really excited about. I mean, he made the futures game last year. He had a redonkulous uh, WRC plus at Double A, like around one fifty or something. And then got bumped up to AAA and hit just as well. Like, just was beastly last season. 
he showcased um, basically that his power returned after a season after the handmade injury. Um, I think he hit 19 home runs. Uh, it was either 19 or 22. I can't remember, but uh, he had a really strong season, power, speed, contact. Um, and it looks like he's going to be challenging for a spot in the outfield in spring training, but I don't think he'll actually make it out of spring training. We just have too many uh, veterans right now, especially depending on what they do with the DH, but with Fran Meal almost certainly taking one of the outfield spots. And then you got Mercado and Delino De Shields and Luplo. I just, I don't see room for him right now, but he's going to be making his major league debut at some point this season. And I think that he has a really good chance to be an outfielder of the future for the tribe too. Yeah, one of the cool things from the your write up on it was I didn't realize he logged a hundred and twelve mile an hour exit velocity. Yes, <laughs> which I mean anybody who's capable of doing that. Period. That's some serious power. Yeah, that was the thing uh, when he played the Arizona Fall League. He uh, he had the highest exit velocity of any batted ball during his time there. So that's pretty beastly. I think that was in 2018, actually. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'm really excited to see what he has to offer. And, and I, I can't wait till he's in Cleveland. And then uh, next up, we got Bo Naylor. The Bo. Indians. Yeah, he was number five. He's the Indians' first round draft pick from 2018. And he really did well. I mean, they were very aggressive with him last season. He skipped Mahoning Valley entirely as a prep player uh, in his second season, in his first full season, and went straight to single A, full season single A Lake County. And I thought he had a pretty good season. He had a, you mentioned, I'll let you go ahead with this since you wrote a whole article about it, but he had a very interesting statistic last season. He had 10 triples as a catcher. Yeah. Which is the strangest thing in the world to me still. So he's one of three players in Indians minor league history to have um, at least 10 home runs, 10 doubles and 10 triples. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grady Sizemore being the first and then Kai Tom also doing it. Who also did it last year. (laughs) It's just nuts. (laughs) Which we'll get to since he's actually on our list. I just love that there's a a backstop who's putting up these numbers that you associate with (laughs) elite athletes at center field. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's uh, got some wheels, but he's also um, like from everything that I've been reading from scouts, they are raving about his defensive ability at catcher yes. and that he is going to stick. He's great at blocking balls. He's great. At, he has good framing. He's, he has a cannon arm. Like they're like this guy is the real deal. And I I, I talked to uh, I think Jim Callis. He's like one of the two people or three people that are like behind MLB Pipeline that are responsible for like all their rankings and the Indians had several players like uh, Bobby Bradley, Nolan Jones, Aaron Bracco, who were all top 10 at their position in all of ML minor league baseball. Um, and I saw Bo was not in the top 10 catchers. And I was like, how close was he? And they were like, just barely cut off. And I think uh, he will be top 10 catcher in all of minor league baseball on that list after this season. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. I just, he's one of my favorite prospects already. And if he keeps developing like this, it's not going to be long until he's my favorite Cleveland Indian, I think. Yeah. Uh, and the timing is with, with how aggressive they've been with him is really good because they, I mean, he's already 
going to be starting this season at high A in his in his second full season after being drafted. So, and that's as a, a high school player that was drafted. So that is extremely aggressive. And if he plays well, I mean, who knows? He could get promoted again. So, um, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it's it's not going to be too long before we see him at the major league level because the Indians just have not been able to develop the the catching prospects quite as well. Uh, like it seems like they gave up on you know Francisco Mejia, they gave up on Eric Haas, they gave up on you know Logan Ice just announced he's walking away as a and he was a former second round pick, but it seems like they they definitely uh, hit a home run with Bo. Next up. George Valera. This one is not the only shock about this was that he was number six. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I actually thought that he'd be higher because um, people have been ranting and raving about his ability. I mean, he has one of the sweetest swings in all of the Indians minor league system. Um, elite power, a good eye at the plate. Um, everything screams that this guy has the potential to be like one of the next big things in the tribe system. Uh, the only thing so far that's held him back has been uh, a little bit of injuries. I mean, his uh, professional debut uh, after being signed, he skipped the Dominican Summer League and went straight to the Arizona Rookie League, but he only played a couple of games because he broke his hammy. And then last season, he was just destroying the ball, and he was, I think, leading the New York Penn League in home runs, and he was right up there at the top of uh, on-base percentage because of his walk rate. And then he got hurt, and then he came back, and wasn't quite as good. And then they promoted him to single A anyway. And he did not, he struggled a little bit there. So, but the fact that he's already at single A, despite how uh, young he is, is also extremely exciting. He's going to be 20 this season, or is he still going to be 19? He will stay. No, he just turned 19 in November. (laughs) I just, there's so many exciting players like this in the Indian system where they're, mm-hmm. they're just not quite at uh, they're not quite at a high enough level in the minors yet to really be yeah. considered top prospects other than like Nolan Jones. But mm-hmm. God, what what really excites me? I don't know if you heard about this, but the Indians did a split squad game where Valera played and he just cranked a home run against major league pitching. So. That was awesome, and they were people just kept posting it all over the place on Twitter. So it's it's a there's there's reason to be excited. Like you know you you keep hearing about like Acuna and Soto and those guys that were able to make it to the majors at like 19 years old. Now I'm not saying that Valera is going to make it at 19, but I think he could be up. Like depending on how he performs in his first season of full season ball, he could be up on the tribe. Uh, before he's legally allowed to drink. Then uh, next up, we got James Karinchak. Now, most people don't have Karinchak rated this high, but the, the Let's Go Tribe people were so pumped about this dude. I looked something up, and I'm pretty sure that he had the highest strikeout rate for any pitcher that pitched at least 30 innings in a season in minor league baseball history last year. His stuff is so nasty, too. You saw when he took over the Pitching Ninja Twitter feed mm-hmm. for like an entire yeah. day. <laughs> I, that was so funny. Like, I've been telling people that this guy is an absolute psycho on the mound. Yeah, and he's nuts. They finally got a chance, <laughs> they finally got a chance to see him. They finally yeah. got a chance to see him. 
And I just knew that they would fall in love with him. Like he's so animated and like, he just lets his emotions take over. And I love it. I love it. The I can't. Finger guns I, I love, just, yeah. <laughs> he's got to keep them. Oh man. He is so nasty. Like he basically balances a, a high nineties, 80 grade fastball with one of the filthiest curveballs in the whole tribe system. So I I think he's going to make the Indians out of spring training, especially with the injury to Clace. He has to. I mean, I I mean they've already called him up at the end of last season, so there's it's not a service time thing. Just get him in there and let him help your bullpen because I mean, realistically, he he could be the closer of the future. I mean, we do have Brad Hand for a little bit, but it's not like he finished last season strong. His velocity's been pretty low. So, I mean, I could see him taking over the closer role. I mean, the only thing holding Karen Check back right now is that he does walk people. So if he can keep the walks down, I mean, I mean, he's going to be unstoppable. Yeah, I think so, too. And it would be really cool to see a situation where, like, Clace becomes uh, like a Batansis with Karen Check in the closer role. Get back to that elite back end situation we had in 2000 late 2016 and 2017 with yeah because because last year being excited about the bullpen with guys that are all coming up still basically what's what was interesting was last year the indians had their bullpen pitched great but i think they had the lowest velocity bullpen in like an average of all the pitchers in all of major league baseball that's not going to be the case anymore after uh these next after you factor in Karen Chak and Clace. And let's talk about Clace because he was number eight in the, the LGT top 20. He was right after Karen Chak. And uh, he was, I mean, obviously the the big return, the key return in the Corey Kluber trade. On the bright side, he's still got, I think, his rookie status. And he throws 101 miles an hour. He throws a 100 mile an hour cutter. <laughs> like, yeah. I can get behind that. <laughs> with movement. <laughs> so, um I mean, as long as he can keep throwing strikes, I mean, he is going to be just lethal. Absolutely lethal. So, I mean, the only thing holding him back right now, he has an injury. He, uh, I believe, had the same back injury that Clevenger had last season, that Clevenger missed almost two months with. But on the bright side, this happened a month before the season started. So if he's on the same timetable... He could be back before May. Yeah, and I don't see any reason to rush him. Yeah, there's none. I mean, you've already got Karen Jack and Brad Hand and, and a whole host of veteran uh, bullpen guys, plus some other uh, potentially talented young bullpen guys that could uh, help out as well. But we'll get to them as well. But uh, yeah, so Clace, it sucks that we don't get to see him right away, but we're going to get to see him. And I... I've got to see him in person. He's I, I thought he'd be like some towering dude that just has this crazy leverage that he throws. He's like maybe six foot. He was at a, a Tribe Fest as well, and I, I I didn't recognize him, and I was like, who is that guy? Uh, just because I, I hadn't seen him before, but I, I knew most of all the other Indians prospects and players. So uh, And then he turned his back, and I saw Clay, and I was like, oh, okay. So, yeah, he does not look like just looking at him does not look like a player that could throw 101 miles an hour but yeah his delivery doesn't even look that extreme either until yeah. he finishes and he sort of comes off the mound hard to mm-hmm. the left but but yeah just i'm really excited to see that cutter in action so 
Okay, moving up. Number nine on the, the LGT top 20 for 2020 is Ethan Hankins, uh, another young pitcher to be excited about. Hankins um, was a prep player drafted by the Indians in the 2018 draft. They took Bo Naylor first, and then they had a pick for a competitive balance pick in the first round, and they had a pick for losing uh, Carlos Santana to the Phillies. And I can't remember which of the two it was. I think it was the Santana pick um, that they took Ethan Hankins with. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Phillies, uh, because Ethan Hankins, I mean, he's filthy. He had he had the best prep fastball in all of the 2018 draft. I mean, upper 90s with movement and matches in with a, a curveball and changeup. And I think from what I, I – I'm almost certain it was – uh, him that said this, but uh, it was he said Trevor Hoffman taught him his changeup. You know, yeah, that's a good guy. <laughs> no to, big that's deal. A, yeah, that's a good one to get it from. <laughs> so yeah, and he had a great season last year. He was extremely effective at uh, Mahoning Valley and earned a promotion to Lake County full season. So he'll be starting. I mean, the full season Lake County rotation is going to be really exciting too. So. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of things to be excited about with Indians pitchers right now. But Ethan Hankins is another one. Like, if he can keep uh, avoiding walks and keep that strikeout rate high, I mean, the sky's the limit with him. And I think uh, he, I mean, he's already got the stuff that could, you know, confound major league hitters. It's just he just needs a little bit more experience. So he could be another guy that rocket ship boosts through the system. Uh, just depends how yeah patient the Indians want to be with him. Reading the Fangraphs article from earlier this year, just the way that he's talking about how he pitches, uh-huh. he's discussing his arm slot prevents consistency in the ride on his fastball, and he doesn't want to overpronate on his circle change, and he just he really seems cerebral about it in a way that is awesome. I love cerebral players. I am so looking forward to interviewing him this year. He is number one on my list, probably. Yeah. Him him, and maybe Bo Naylor. Because, yeah, I've already interviewed uh, our current top three, which is pretty awesome. And I need to just start going down the list. I, I probably lost lost my chance to interview Karen Chad because he's probably never going to be in the minors again. <laughs> yeah, he's just never going to. Maybe there's a – we should keep track of the, the Hemminger bump. Maybe <laughs> it's the guys that you interview that end up taking off in the system. Uh, yeah, I interviewed Playsec when uh, he did wasn't even in any of the rankings, and then look what happened, right? There you go. <laughs> there, I mean, I do kind of like try to reach out to players that I think have a lot of potential to make it to the majors. So I'm sure that that's a factor, but uh, it doesn't hurt, you know, that you know you you talk to a Playsec and a Bieber, and they make it to the majors, which is you know pretty awesome. I've, yes. I've had I've had a few duds too though I, I haven't I, I'm not batting a thousand I've got Matt Esparza ended up uh, retiring at AAA and then Logan Ice just walked away after a season at AA so and I've interviewed them as players that I was excited about so I'm not batting a thousand but I am doing pretty good so next up Brian Rocchio, number ten and you know a lot of people have him even higher than that and for good reason I mean I think he's uh, entering his age 19 season and he's going to be playing at full season. And just like Valera, he was in that split squad game 
And I think he went three for three with a three run home run and scored three runs. <laughs> He's awesome. He's going to be really, really good. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he'll be Lindor level good. I mean, that's almost impossible to even ask of anyone, but I do think he is the shortstop of the future. Like yeah. Freeman He's may, 19 too. You know, he was in the exact same uh, international class as Valera. And uh, he was, from what I read uh, in 2018, when he started the season in the Dominican Summer League and then got promoted to the Arizona Rookie League, um, multiple scouts, and I think Baseball America said that he was the most impressive player in all of the Arizona Rookie League that season. So, yeah. And then last year, I mean, he wasn't quite as good at Mahoning Valley, um, but I do think, uh, you know, considering how young he is and how uh, aggressive that that they've been with him already, I mean, that's not the worst thing in the world. I'm I'm really excited to see what the next step is for him because he is super talented. He's already got great defense. He's got good contact. Uh, He's got a pretty decent eye at the plate. He's quick. I mean... This is this is a player to be excited about, and if say Lindor does, you know, end up going somewhere else, this guy is going to be our our shortstop. I, I, I am almost certain of it. Uh, he's good enough defensively that I think he'll move Freeman to second base. And it's such a good name too. Oh yeah, Rokio. Yes. Yeah, it's just fun to say. It really is. <laughs> um. So, anything else you want to say about Rokio? Uh, I just want to see more of him. He's sort of at that level for now where you see the box scores, you you get a little bit of chatter about them, but the opportunity to see them outside of clips uh, that certain enterprising individuals will post to Twitter. Like, I just want to see him play. (laughs) Well, if you have an MILB TV subscription, you'll probably get a chance to see him a lot this year now that he's at full season. I might have to get one. (laughs) Yeah. It's not that bad. So it's not too much of a hit, but, um, and on top of that, uh, yeah, because with Mahoning Valley, I think they only ever televised like when they played like a very specific few teams, like the state valley, state college team, or something like that. So uh, Mahoning didn't have home, their home games televised, but Lake County almost every single game is. So you should absolutely, if you want to see him play, if you want to see Valera play, <laughs> if you want to see Ethan Hankins play, I would or Bo Naylor, I would highly recommend getting. Next up. Daniel Espino was number 11. Now I've seen people have him as high as like top five in the Indians prospect list. He was our number one draft pick last season. Best fastball in the whole draft. Touches a hundred miles an hour with movement, um, filthy slider. And he, he did something last year that the Indians haven't done in a long time. And uh, basically he signed pretty quickly debuted at at uh, the Arizona Rookie League and dominated, absolutely dominated. And he was so impressive that they promoted him to Mahoning Valley to get a few starts there. Uh, I don't know if I've talked to you about this, but do you know the last time the Indians promoted a high school player that they just drafted to low A Mahoning Valley the same season they drafted him? I believe it was a guy by the name of Francisco Lindor. It was. <laughs> so that should speak volumes. And depending on, yeah, that's extremely, extremely good company. So that means uh, if the Indians think that he's ready, like they did with uh, Bo Naylor, where he basically skipped a level, I mean, he could start the season at full season Lake County. I mean, if they, they thought he was impressive enough to to jump 
to Mahoning Valley the year they drafted him, they may just let him start the year at, at Lake County. And that would make Lake County's rotation just insane. I mean, already you'd have Ethan Hankins, Ethan Hankins and Daniel Espino. That would be unfair. And then next up, we got another pitcher. I mean, it is just pitcher after pitcher after pitcher. We have so much pitching right now. Scott Moss, he was uh, one one of the returns in the Trevor Bauer trade. He was not the centerpiece. I mean, the centerpieces were clearly Franmil Reyes. Um, I mean, he was, uh, you know, hit 37 home runs last year. And he looks like he's going to be a staple of our offense for the next five years, probably. So he was definitely the centerpiece. Um, also, Logan Allen, who was a top 100 player, uh, we'll, who we'll get to. But Scott Moss was awesome last year. Like, he barely gave up a single run after the Indians acquired him. Uh, he he destroyed. He did not give up any runs, I don't think, in his starts at with uh, A, And then they promoted him to AAA. And he was lights out there, too. I think he posted a, a career-high strikeout rate last season. So this is a, a veteran. Well, not veteran, but, you know, a, a college left-handed arm that is worth getting excited about. So he's going to be in the, the Columbus rotation for sure this year. And he's going to be in the mix to, to give the Indians some uh, spot starts if there's injuries or somebody's really ineffective or something. So if he <laughs> if he makes it to the Indians and breaks into the rotation, is there a scenario? I mean, how likely do you think we're going to see all guys from the 2016 draft in the Indian starting rotation? <laughs> it could happen. I mean, you've already got Playsex, Valley and Bieber. So <laughs> I know uh, Moss is another one. And I don't know if we have any other pitchers, starting pitchers that are from. Got to go get another one. Yeah. Maybe we can get AJ Puck. Yeah. Have to trade for one. Here, I can actually take a look. So, uh, pardon my typing. Raymond Burgos. Okay. Boom. Remember Burgos? Yes. Uh, we were really excited about it. He was the all the other ones were college arms that were drafted Moss, Bieber, Playsex, Savali, and they exploded uh, through. And uh, Burgos was a prep arm and he's had injuries. So, he's only been to single A so far, but he's another guy that could eventually uh, make it. Uh, they also, another guy that is pitching in the Indian system is uh, Tanner Tully. He was an oh, Ohio yeah. State pitcher, and he's been as high as double-A making spot starts at triple-A when needed. He's not really a hard-throwing guy, but he was their 26th round pick, and uh, he's been able to uh, you know keep advancing through the system as a, a depth option. Uh, I, don't, I don't know he'll ever make it to the majors, at least not with the Indians. There's just too many guys ahead of him. It's been impressive that he's been able to, to make it up that far. But yeah, I would say out of anybody, it'd be Burgos. So that that could happen, though. It really could. I just, I, I love how well that draft is treating the Indians. That Yeah, people complain and, oh man, you know, your first round pick hasn't uh, done enough. Well, do you see what everybody else has done? <laughs> that <laughs> that draft good. also had Nolan Jones, our top draft, our top prospect, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that draft was insane. How many how many teams get three starting pitchers, including you know a top Cy Young candidate in one draft? That's ridiculous, ridiculous. That's a fun article idea. Hmm. <laughs> Before we go down that rabbit hole, <laughs> who's next? Yeah. <laughs> so okay, moving on. Uh, let's see here. Uh, after Scott Moss, uh, Aaron Bracco. 
So remember that awesome international class uh, that had George Valera and Brian Rocchio? Aaron Bracco was actually the one that got the biggest signing bonus out of all those players. He was perhaps higher rated than Valera and Rocchio. Uh, Unfortunately, he had an arm injury and missed all of the 2018 season. So the Indians uh, started him in last year at the rookie level. So he basically was a a level behind uh, Rocchio and Valera. And he was so nasty last year at the rookie level. Um, He was by far one of our best rookie level players put up. uh, Let me get his uh, slash here. Yeah, it's I'm looking at some of the numbers right now and I don't want to steal your thunder, but they're awesome. Oh, you can steal them. (laughs) Steal them. Go ahead. Go ahead. He hit 296, 416, 593. Hell yeah. Walked 23 times, only struck out 21 times Mm -hmm. and swiped four bags. And this was in 30 games. 10 doubles, two triples, six home runs, too. So. I mean, Desk everybody league. was, he basically got his, uh, his swagger back. Like he wasn't even ranked in any of our, uh, prospect rankings the year before because of the injuries, but this past season, he was unstoppable and he got a promotion to Mahoning Valley. So he actually ended the season at the same level as Rokio. So, and it seems the Indians have converted him to second base. He was also a shortstop prospect, but uh, with so many shortstop prospects in the system, the Indians moved him to second base, and base or uh, MLB Pipeline listed him as like the number six best second base prospect in all of baseball. So that's pretty exciting, and he's also nineteen, entering his age nineteen season. <laughs> so we have, I mean that that international class was basically the the class of position players because I mean Valera, Rocchio, and Bracco have all been just outstanding so like there's there's a realistic chance that they all make it a very realistic chance that they all make it to the tribe so i'm extremely excited to see what they do this year because all three of them are going to be playing at full season at some point maybe brocco starts uh uh at mahoning valley but he might start at lake county depending on how aggressive they want to be with him like if they want to catch him back up with bolera and rocchio yeah, if he, he does, he, I don't he, imagine he'll stay there for very long. Yeah, because he looks like he he looked like he belonged with those guys last season. He really did. Uh, next up, we have a player that really dropped Logan Allen. When the Indians acquired him, he was a top 100 prospect in all of baseball. He was actually in the MLB pipeline top 100. He had made his pro debut, uh, and in his pro debut, he pitched like seven shutout innings or six shutout innings against the Rockies and got a hit like pitching for the the Padres. So, I mean, it was a really good pro debut. But other than that, that one game, he had a pretty rough 2019. He was, a, I think, a high school arm drafted like by the Red Sox. And he was sent over to the Padres in the Craig Kimbrell, Kimbrell train. Oh, wow. <laughs> the one that brought Kimbrell to the Red Sox initially. And uh, he worked his way all the way up through the, the Padres system. And he's... Still really young. So even though last year he struggled, he struggled at both AAA and in the majors, um, he's still like 22 years old because he was a high school arm. So, um, I mean, he's younger right now than almost any college pitcher in the Indian system that was drafted, other than kids that were just drafted, maybe. And the ones that were just drafted are typically still at low A or single A. So 
the fact that he's right now at AAA and trying to work things out with the, um, you know, and and with the way the Indians develop pitchers, I do think that he'll figure it out. He's he's struggled in spring training. He has not put up very good stats, but um, I think that this will be a much better season for him now that he's had uh, a whole off season to work with the Indians. Uh, strength and conditioning teams and their development staff. And if John Cena believes in him. Yeah. The John Cena story is by far the coolest thing about him. <laughs> he's got to turn out to be good, right? Yeah. And then we have some uh, prospect fatigue setting in as uh, Bobby Bradley, a former number, I think three or number two prospect in the LGT rankings was all the way down to number 15. Um, despite leading all of the international league uh, in triple a in home runs last season, <laughs> he had a yeah. career high career high 33. Um, he got called up to the Indians had, I think two doubles in his major league debut. And he also ended up hitting either the longest or har- one of the hardest hit balls in the stat cast era for a home run. It was an absolute bomb. It was <laughs> that thing was launched. Like the second he touched it, Matt uh, Underwood just went, oh, Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, Bobby Bradley is going to be I mean, he's he's having an incredible spring. He's hit a lot of home runs. So he's pushing like if Domingo Santana continues to struggle the way he has, he may force the Indians to uh, let them give him a shot at the dh right out the gate typically with the way the indians are though they always give a veteran the benefit of the doubt like they did last year with hanley ramirez and carlos uh, gonzalez before finally cutting bait so i expect bradley to start the year at triple a but i don't think he stays there long typically you know last year when he was on the indians he had a 40 percent strikeout rate so clearly he has things to work on but almost every time that he's advanced a level uh, especially at the upper levels, he has struggled in that initial debut. And then when he gets the next year around and gets more opportunities, um, he, he kills it. Yeah. Like when he was at double A and he first went to triple A, um, his batting average was okay, but his power wasn't great. His strikeout rate was really bad. And then last year, I mean, he just murdered baseballs, I mean, murdered them. And yeah, you can say what you want about juiced baseballs, but they were juiced for everybody. And he was still had the most home runs. <laughs> So that should say something about him. I I want him to get a chance. If Jake Bowers is allowed to be terrible for an entire season at the major league level, shouldn't yeah. Bobby Bradley have the same chance? <laughs> that's that's extremely true. And uh, yeah, Bowers is also really struggling. To, thankfully, he's lost his rookie status, so we don't have to talk about him. Ha! Uh, <laughs> loophole. Uh, next up, a guy we mentioned earlier that uh, joined Bo Naylor in the 10-10-10 record books. Kai Tom, um, he's somebody that has been in the Indian system for a while. Um, I think he's about 24, 25, but last year he had a breakout. I mean, he, he was tremendous. He was great at double A, got promoted to triple A, and he was great there too. He had a big spike in power, despite being a short little uh, stocky center fielder. Um, he has showcased good speed, good defense, and great contact and improving power. So he's definitely somebody that is going to be pushing for an opportunity with the Indians. Now, will he get it? Uh, It's tough because they have so many left-handed options right now with Zimmer, with Bowers, 
with Daniel Johnson, with Naquin, like all of them are currently ahead of him on the totem pole. But if he keeps pressing the issue, he's going to force their hand at some point. Yeah. Plus, he's just objectively cooler than those guys. <laughs> I mean, his name is, his real name, legal name is Blaze. That's his first name. Right. That's awesome. It's how cool, amazing. <laughs> how cool would it be to have a dude named Blaze on your team? Come on. The guys. coolest. <laughs> it would be the coolest thing. It really would. And, you know, maybe he got the Hemminger bump. I did interview him uh, when he was at uh, Lynchburg. You got to interview so, him again, man. <laughs> I've never done that. I've never done the follow up <laughs> interview. So that could be uh, something to think about. <laughs> um, next up, we got Lenny Torres. He was number 17 on our prospect list. And. You may not remember him that much because he didn't play at all last season. He uh, also, he was, remember, Bo Naylor and Ethan Hankins were two of the three first-round draft picks that the Indians made. Uh, Torres was the other one, the either the competitive balance or the Santana pick. Unfortunately, uh, in spring training last year, he experienced some discomfort in his elbow. They shut him down. They had him checked out, and he needed Tommy John surgery. So he missed the whole season with Tommy John. But he's already throwing. He's like in minor league camp. I expect that, uh, I mean, they're not going to start him at full season. So I think that he'll be ready to start when the Indians' uh, uh, short season teams start. So I think that he'll be in the starting rotation for uh, Mahoning Valley when they, they, when they uh, kick things off this year. Um, I mean, he has electric stuff. Remember how I told you uh, Brian Rocchio was the most impressive position player that scouts were saying in 2018 uh, at the Arizona Rookie League. Lenny Torres was the most impressive pitcher. So that should speak volumes about this kid's talent. I mean, he is, and he's uh, from uh, the Northern uh, State's prospects. So the, the the rule about that is if you're from a state, you know, that isn't able to play year round, typically there's a lot more potential locked in there. Because uh, you know you you're not able to to be playing constantly, so you have to be doing something else for a little bit. So those other people that are playing, you know, year round, they maybe have a chance to maybe they look better now, but they they're already kind of peaking. So I think with Lenny Torres, we have not seen the peak yet. So that's another thing that I'm really excited about. Then next up, Will Benson. Boy, has he been uh, an interesting one to cover. Another guy that we've interviewed before, me and uh, Matt Lyons actually interviewed him live on an episode of Let's Talk Tribe, which was pretty fun. That's the only time we've ever done that. Uh, we, we like set up a Skype uh, chat and we actually recorded the episode and, and he, he interviewed with us live. But um, last year, Will Benson repeated at single A. He was, a first, he was our first round pick in that infamous 2016 draft that featured Nolan Jones and Shane Bieber, and Aaron Savalli, and Zach Playsack. Um, So, you know, you may be like, oh, man, he's only at number 18. That, you know, maybe a bust. But Benson is basically the ultimate four-tool player right now. Ultimate four-tool player. He has some of the most prodigious power in the entire Indian system. So he's got the power. That's one tool. He has a cannon arm. So that's tool number two. Uh, he stole over 20 bases last season. Tool number three. And he plays uh, great defense. So tool number four. Unfortunately, the fifth tool is con contact. <laughs> yeah. And that is still an issue for him. 
But he does balance his lack of contact with elite monster power and a really high on-base percentage from uh, earning a lot of walks from patients at the plate. So if he can just add a little bit more contact, like I think that he would completely get his monster prospect status back. I mean, last year he had four home runs in one game. You remember us talking about his uh, OPS or, or no, it was his WRC plus for that week that he had the four home run game. It was like 300 something. It's pretty solid. (laughs) Yeah. Like for the players of the week and stuff that we were calculating. So I just shiver when I read career low, 28.6% strikeout rate at Lynchburg. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's good though. That's the highest level he played last year. Granted his, he did not perform very well after being promoted to Lynchburg, but the strikeout rate was low. So that's at least uh, a silver lining there. It's in the right direction. Yeah. Like it's, it's been, and it's been dropping each season. I believe if you uh, look, I, I might be wrong, but I think it has. So I'm certainly not ready to give up on him yet. There's too no. much other exciting. There is talent there. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's somebody that I still think has the potential to make it. It's just, can he make consistent contact? Yeah. Shorten up his swing a little or something. Yeah. I don't know exactly what it is. You know, that's up to him and the Indians coaches. But I mean, this is a kid that is just a physical specimen. And, uh, and if he can figure that out, I mean, he could be really, really good. Um, yeah. I've, I, and he's just uh, somebody that, uh, you know, he's, he's got passes all the character tests too, from everything I've read. So hard worker, just great kid. So I do think that he'll figure it out. I really do. And uh, I, and I hope he does because, you know, I mean, he's just, I, I, I could never, I just don't want to give up on him because the, the potential, if it's realized is so good, so good. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't even remember the last time somebody had four home runs in a game and, and he had the chance to hit five. He, he yeah. He hit, I remember, I think I was listening to that Yeah, when I knew he had four. Yep. He, he came up, he had four in his first four at-bats, and then number five could have happened. He struck out, but it could have happened. That's wild. So, Oh, and I, I do have another little stat with him. Um, despite being like 6'5", <laughs> uh, he was leading the uh, Midwest League in stolen bases at the time of his promotion. Okay. And uh, there were only two players in all of minor league baseball last year that went 20-20 in terms of 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Bill Benson. Do you know the other one? I do not. Luis Robert. The Ah. White Sox. The White Sox. I think he's like the number two or number three prospect in all of minor league baseball. The White Sox signed him to a full like major league contract extension before he ever played a major league game. Oh, I forgot he was that yeah, guy. That's how good he is, like out of Cuba. So, like, he's he's already locked in as they're starting out, one of their starting outfielders this year. So, like, him and Eloy Jimenez, I mean, that's pretty scary out there. So, yeah. So, Luis Robert, Will Benson in the same company. So, that's pretty cool. Uh, then we have number 19. It was Eli Morgan, somebody we mentioned earlier. Um, Eli Morgan... I believe dating back to the last three seasons, 
is top five in all of minor league baseball in strikeouts. And oh. the guy hits low 90s with his fastball. I mean, that just screams pitchability to me, like that he has control. He has obviously the filthy, filthy changeup that he's developed. Um, and he makes batters miss. He does it at every level. And I believe he struck it. I think he was either number one or number two in strikeouts in the Indian system last year, too. So um, it's a guy that people haven't respected quite as much because he doesn't throw, you know, monster gas and he's shorter. I think he's like, you know, maybe tops out at like 5'10 or 5'11, but he makes batters miss. So that's another arm at the upper level of the Indian system who has pitched as high as AAA last season briefly in a couple spot starts that is going to be available as a depth option again. And he fits that mold of guys that have succeeded with the Indians in recent years. College arm, like eighth round, ninth round pick or so. All right, trivia time. Do you remember what college he came from? Oh, it was... It's like a weird one. They're known for basketball. Is it Butler or something? Nope. Even more so known for basketball than Butler. Villanova. Nope. <laughs> Come on, you can do this. And it's only known for basketball. They, I don't even know if they have a football team. Like consistent, random, randoms. Yes, Gonzaga. <laughs> I knew you'd get it. I was thinking, like, no, UConn's definitely got a football team. Yeah, um, Gonzaga. He was from Gonzaga. Baylor, yeah. How cool is that? That's wild. <laughs> yep. And then uh, last but not least, Nick Sandlin was our number 20 Indians prospect. Um, he should have been able. Yeah, another injury. Um, he should have made it to the Indians last year. I mean, the year the Indians drafted him, he was their number two draft pick out of Southern Mississippi. He made it all the way to double A. All the way to freaking double A the year he was drafted. So that means he didn't even start playing until like mid to late June. Yep. And by September, he was at double A. Because we were saying coming into this season, we could, we were sort of wondering if he was going to do the Cody Allen thing where yeah. he just shoots up all the way through the system again He's, and is closing games by the end of the year. Yeah. Unfortunately, he started the season like a week or two late with an injury, pitched well, made it to triple A. Then he got hurt again and missed the end of this, the whole rest of the season. Yep, it sucked, but he's, I believe, healthy now, and he'll be at AAA, and he, right now he's pr potentially competing for a spot. I don't even know if he's been pitching uh, in spring training, but um, he's definitely a guy that will be getting an opportunity. I mean, he's a side armor with a mid-90s fastball, so with multiple arm angles, multiple angles on his breaking pitches, his numbers when he was at Mississippi State were unbelievable, unbelievable. So hang on, I'm going to pull them up because he was actually a starting pitcher as a side armor for for Southern for uh, I think it was Southern Mississippi. Yeah, that looks like it's right. I just love the idea of a side armor starting. Yeah, when was the last time that happened in the majors? Probably I can't I can't think of it. Okay, 2018, the year that he was drafted, the year. Already the year he was drafted, that and he ended up making it to Double A. Earlier in that same year, he went ten and zero pitching for Southern Mississippi, hundred and two innings pitched. He had one hundred and forty four strikeouts and eighteen walks. His WHIP led all of college baseball 
0.713. Just that seems good. Insane. Yeah, that's really, really, really good. And he had eight strikeouts per walk, one of the tops in all of baseball as well, college baseball. So the Indians took a shot on him. They converted him to a reliever, and he's right there. So he's basically the anti-Adam Simber. <laughs> like, if you compared him and Simber, like, he throws about 10 miles an hour faster than Simber and does the exact same type of stuff. If you think that, like, he could totally be in the same bullpen with Simber and it would not be, they could pitch next back-to-back and it would throw hitters off despite them both being side armors. So that's really exciting. Yeah, it's got to be weird, I think, to see someone going from that arm slot, different pitchers at different velocities with different offerings in the same game. Simber and his rising sinker. So yeah, that's that's all of the, the top 20. But uh, in my best of the rest that I still do plan to publish at some point, typically it comes out like within two weeks of the end of the season. But I... What I did was I came up with my list of the best of the rest, and it was so freaking long because the Indian system is so deep. I just haven't gotten around to finishing it. Like it just, I keep like it's like, oh, it's so much work. Uh, is it worth it? It is worth it. And hopefully, yeah, I was me mentioning praise you it, for identifying guys like Playsack and Karen Shack. Yeah, which I have past. done. But I if you just the, put everyone on the list, Brian, I, I know <laughs> they were they were shorter lists in the past. I had Greg Allen in there too, and for the best of the rest. I have it broken down into categories. So it's in uh, starting pitchers, then relievers, then uh, catchers, infielders, and outfielders. Uh, I will try to keep this brief because we're already going to be having an epically long podcast, I think, at this point. Starting pitchers, and I'm going to go basically from higher levels down is kind of how I have it listed. So for starting pitchers, we mentioned Adam Scott. He was, uh, I believe, a fourth round pick in 2018. And he's already made it to double A. Uh, and he was a starting pitcher. Uh, another lefty. He was a college senior. So uh, one of those rare college seniors that wasn't just a guy that they drafted just to get screwed over with a super cheap bonus. Um, the Indians actually gave him an okay bonus. Still not a good one. And he has followed that path kind of like that Sandlin took, just float, flying through the system. So last year he had... Uh, uh, 12.44 strikeouts per nine innings as a starting pitcher. Really, really good. So I'm I'm definitely excited to see what he has to offer. Uh, then I have Sam Henkes. I mean, this guy was top 10 in the Indian system last year, and clearly he did not pitch up to expectations. He pitched the whole season pretty much at double A and uh, struggled. He did. But what has me excited is, I don't know if you've heard this, but Henkes has been pitching uh, in spring training. And how fast do you think he throws typically, like as a left-hander? So I had read about this, so I think I've got the numbers right. But I thought that he threw like 93, 94. But I read, isn't he sitting at like 98 or something this spring? Every season before, he's like he's like six foot six. And he, he was coming off a of Tommy John surgery. Uh, two years ago. Um, but uh, yeah, he was like in a low 90s sitting. And then this year in spring training, he's hitting 99 easy. It's like a poor man's Randy Johnson. Yeah, a, a lefty throwing 100 miles an hour. That could be a starting pitcher. So uh-huh. that's pretty nasty. That's really nasty. So like the Indians depth in left-handed pitching has exploded. 
yeah, I think last year at the beginning of the year, we were still sort of, it was either the, the beginning of last year or the end of the year before we were bemoaning the fact that we traded that guy to Panone. We traded to Toronto and we were like, oh, there's like no lefties left in the system. Yeah, now Blink, it's, it's, it's like, completely ooh. refilled. Yeah. So then you have another lefty, Juan Hillman. Uh, he had a bounce back season. If you remember, Tristan McKenzie was the the big uh, haul that the year that he was drafted, and he has been one of the top Indians prospects every season that he's pitched. Um, Juan Hillman was the second round pick that year, and he was also a high school pitcher. Um, and he was at first neck and neck with McKenzie in terms of prospect status, and then he repeated two straight years at Lake County, and neither year was very good. And then last year, they just promoted him to Lynchburg anyway, just so that, I mean, they just didn't want Sink him taken up. They just, they, they're like, okay, well, let's see what happens because we need to put younger guys in this uh, Lake County rotation. And Hillman flourished. He had his best season as a professional last year. Um, so that's really exciting. Over the course of the 2019 season at high A, uh, First off, he had an immaculate inning, um, which is, I'm sure you know, uh, nine pitches, three strikeouts. So he did that, and he had uh, a career low of 3.89 ERA. So over how many starts? 25 starts. So he pitched a full season. He's pitched the full season the last three years. Hasn't hasn't had injuries. Um, And then last year, after... Two straight years of a 6.08 and a 5.18 ERA at single A. He moves up to high A and drops it down to 3.85. So I'd expect him to start in Akron, right? Probably. Yeah. Uh, the only the only real concern is that his strikeout rate is low. Like so, he pitched 140 innings and he had 99 strikeouts last year. So I would like to see him get closer to one per inning, but you know, maybe he'll as- be that weird pitcher cutting against trends that just gets an infinite number of ground balls. That's true. That could happen. Strikeouts per nine, five. Cy Young Awards, five. Make it happen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Juan Hillman doing it any Cy Youngs, but that would be five. Awesome. Um, then you have Gene Carlos Mejia, another guy that was, uh, he was added to the 40-man roster after just being a blistering end to his 2018 season. Entered last season really highly rated. I think he pitched a he had a perfect start. Like I think he pitched like four or five perfect innings or no hit innings to start at high A last this past season. Then he struggled a little bit. Then he got hurt and missed the rest of the season. Injuries have kind of been his uh, kryptonite. Uh, even the season that he did awesome and ended up getting added to the forty man, he started that season late because of injuries. But I mean, he throws hard he's a big physical right-handed pitcher with some filthy stuff and uh looks like he uh is healthy again and ready to go so i mean he might start the year at double a as well then you have a uh, kirk mccarty he also was a southern mississippi pitcher um, he was actually a teammate of uh, sandlin uh, he was drafted a year earlier than sandlin he missed a lot of last season with injuries but he uh was able to get in and pitch decent with high A, and then he was awesome in the Arizona Fall League. So he was able to make up for a little bit of lost time with the AFL. So uh, this is another left-handed pitcher with high strikeout rates. He was he had one of the highest strikeout rates of any pitcher in minor league baseball 
in the end of the 2018 season. So since the end of 2018, he's been very good. So another guy to keep an eye on. Then you have Cody Morris, guy who made his pro debut last year. He did not debut. He was in the 2018 draft, but did not pitch in 2018. He debuted last year at Lake County, pitched really well, then got promoted to high A Lynchburg, struggled a little bit, but uh, he's been impressing people throwing mid nineties with his uh, velocity. So as a a college arm and somebody that projected could uh, continue to add more. So this is another guy to really keep an eye on. Then you have uh, Luis Oviedo, who was another top 10 pick in the Indian system, who, you know, he was kind of a, a laughing stock with us last year because we were always checking in on our LGT top 10. And he really struggled last season. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very inconsistent. Um, but from I found out that he had nagging injury the whole season. And then he ended up getting shut down at the end of the year. And it uh, looks like that was corrected. It looks like he's been pitching well in camp. The Indians left him exposed in the Rule 5 draft, and nobody took him because uh, he'd never pitched higher than single A. So thankfully, uh, he's still around, and he'll have an opportunity to to bounce back this season. And I do think he will. I think that he's he's going to pitch at high A, and he potentially could advance through the system. But again, there's so much depth right now, uh, it'll be tough to advance. But, I mean, he, if he can turn enough heads, I mean, he won three consecutive Pitchers of the week in uh, the New York Penn League, three weeks in a row. Pitcher of the week, <laughs> that's, that's pretty insane. solid. Yeah, in 2018, so that pitcher still exists. He just, you know, injuries. So hopefully he's okay. Then we have a uh, Raymond Burgos, who we talked about earlier a little bit, uh, college or a high school arm, very projectable, low to mid 90s as another southpaw. He was pitching pretty well last year, and then he got hurt. Um, injuries have definitely continued to be. Uh, frustrating for him, but I do think that he'll uh, be back this year, and uh, I think he'll be back to uh, being impressive. So hopefully he's okay. Uh, Carlos Vargas, another one. This guy was an international signing, but he throws 100 miles an hour as a starting pitcher. He and his uh, slide, his slider's like 93. Excuse me. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's okay. I yeah. guess. So this is a guy. That is super exciting. Um, he pitched last year for Mahoning Valley. Little inconsistent at times, massive flashes of dominance. And at other times, he was really hittable. So it just depends, I guess, if his location is good. He's extremely tough to hit. But he is also going to be in that Lake County rotation with Ethan Hankins. So that's another one that you'll want to be tuning in when he's pitching. Um, and then another one, this was a guy, Hunter Gaddis. I think he was a fifth round pick by the Indians last season. I think he's going to follow a very similar uh, trajectory that like Savali and Bieber and those guys did where they just soar through the system. Uh, Another high strikeout, low walk pitcher, good control. Basically, I knew the Indians were going to draft him like three rounds before they drafted him. (laughs) You just (laughs) looked at his stats and went, yeah, the Indians are going to take that guy at some point. That's the type. So, yeah. Another really interesting arm. So that's all the starting pitching. There's there are more starting pitchers, but I mean I don't want to you know have people uh, go into a coma listening to this whole thing. But uh, those are the the main ones that stand out to me. Uh, relievers, uh, Jared Robinson ended last year at AAA after starting the year at I think High A, mm-hmm. um, and he's battling for a spot in the Indians uh, bullpen right now. Um, I thought that he potentially could have been taken in the Rule 5 draft, but thankfully he did not. 
um, but uh, very, very good uh, power arm with uh, a lot of movement on his pitches and a high strikeout rate. Um, he, he definitely took it to the next level last season. So potential to be a, a, a helper for the Indians in the bullpen. Then you have Cam Hill, a guy that almost made the Indians bullpen in 2018 and then had to have Tommy John surgery. Um, he bounced back last year and then had the highest strikeout rate of his whole career. Um, so he's right now battling for a bullpen spot as well. And he actually could make it like legit. Uh, last year, there was a list of the most MLB ready prospects in all of minor league baseball. It had James Karinchak and Cam Hill on it in the top. And they were out of 10 players in every, and that's including every system. So that's pretty awesome. So this guy, yeah, this guy definitely is going to be in the Indians bullpen at some point. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Kyle Nelson, guy who you are very familiar with. He was one of your Indians in the cupboard for a majority of last season. Yeah, it was for most of the year. Yeah, and uh, I would say he's the best southpaw uh, in the bullpen out of all southpaw bullpen prospects in the Indian system. Uh, high strikeout rate, good velocity, filthy breaking stuff, and good control. Um, so I mean, he had, uh, some nasty, nasty performances. Uh, I think in 2018, he led all pitchers in minor league baseball in FIP. It was 1.11. So that's pretty good. That's a really satisfying number to land at. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's definitely a guy to keep an eye on. And then you have, uh, Robert Broom, who I think is most famous for like living in a camper, when he was playing with the uh, Lynchburg, like you just did, didn't stay with a, a host family or anything. He just had a camper at the facility and that's just where he <laughs> like in the parking lot. <laughs> this sounds like the beginning of a baseball movie. Yeah. But, uh, but he also was drafted uh, the year of the Sandlin draft. And so uh, 2018, and he has made it all the way to double a and he has put up, filthy numbers high strikeout rate as a side armor um he's more of a uh more of a simber style than a sandlin style but i think he's more like in between (laughs) um but he had like a 1.27 era at single a in 2018 and then last year he was just filthy at high a and a double a so he's also knocking on the door for the bullpen then uh moving on we got catchers uh, there's only really two other catching prospects that uh, I think are notable. You have Brian Lavistada, who had really good numbers last year. As yes, a, he uh, did. Yeah, he was a shortstop that was out of a community college, I think, and the Indians converted him to catcher after drafting him. So he's a, a really common good, move, right? Yeah, common move, <laughs> but. Um, the, the offense is playing and his defense is good too. So um, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. And then you also have uh, Yaner Diaz, who another, as you should be familiar, we were singing his praises last year after he batted like 500 in a repeat stint at the AZL and uh, got promoted to Mahoning Valley. He struggled just, a little bit there, didn't he? He did. He struggled a little bit, but I mean, a bat first catching prospect that you don't get to hear that very often. And he's young. Um, and he, he had a good enough season last year that MLB pipeline actually brought him in at number 30 on the Indians top 30. So I thought that was pretty cool that he actually got a little, that's the only list I've ever seen him make, 
but MLB Pipeline had him on. So, but uh, another guy with uh, some good good hitting tools. And then you have Yu Chang, who uh, made his MLB debut last year. Had you know a little bit of uh, struggles with injuries that kind of had an inconsistent season, but uh, he's shown flashes of promise. Uh, you know, some good power uh, as a, a middle infield prospect, and potentially still could realize that, but. Uh, time is running out because we have so many good young middle infielders in the system that are going to be pressing him for opportunities. Um, then you have Ernie Clement, a guy that has been a shortstop and a second baseman pretty much. Uh, Clement was, I think, the toughest guy to strike out the in college the year he was drafted. So the Indians picked him up. Um, and he's just been a really good contact hitter, not much of a power guy. He's one of the best follows in the Indians minor league system on Twitter. Yes. Really funny dude. So highly recommend checking him out. And uh, I think uh, back in 2018, when he got promoted to Lynchburg, he slashed 346, 425, 421. So that's pretty impressive. Um, he's a guy that can walk his, more than he strikes out too. So uh, then you have Jose Fermin. Um, he was the top Indians international signing the year before Valera and uh, Rokio and them. Uh, he pitched, uh, played all of last season at Lake County, had a very good season, actually. Um, posted uh, pretty strong offensive numbers and uh, continues to uh, avoid strikeouts with a decent walk rate. So another player that walks more than he strikes out. Um, kind of put himself on the map. Some people actually thought that he might get taken in the Rule 5 draft, even though he only played single A last year. Mm. So uh, this one... Jose Tena, um, you may not be super familiar with this guy, but he is very, very interesting. A uh, big six foot five with power at shortstop. And uh, what? <laughs> yeah, in the DSL, he was their best hitter in 2018, and then last year in the AZL, he was one of the best hitters for the Indians. So, uh, and I think he's 18 years old. Uh, entering his age 19 season. I don't know if he was in that same class as Valera. He might've been, but he's kind of been a guy that has been under the radar with them. But what really I think got people to turn their heads on him was Keith law. If you remember from ESPN that does, or he was with ESPN. Now he's with the athletic, but uh, he always does his prospect rankings and stuff. He had Tana at like the number six Indians prospect. Really? He was that impressed with him. Okay. That's like one of the only lists I've ever seen him on, but Keith Law had him top 10 Indians prospect out of all the Indians prospects that, and you know, we're going to have a two hour podcast talking about Indians prospects and Keith Law thought he was worthy of top six. So yeah, say what you will about Law. I know some people are a little Mm -hmm. about his rankings sometimes and his certainty in his rankings and such, but the guy knows baseball and board games, but mostly baseball. (laughs) uh next up we have john kenzie noel another guy from like the dominican he made his stateside debut last year at 17 years old but i think the most impressive number with him was he was 16 years old when he made his pro debut with the indians um in the dominican summer league and he hit 10 home runs that year okay as a 16 year old in the dsl i like that yeah i like that a lot so this guy has you know they call it a light tower power. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another one really excited to, to see what he does. 
you know, strikeouts could be an issue, but man, massive power, very projectable. So uh, I really want to see what this guy ends up doing. Uh, then you have uh, the trio of middle infield prospects that were the season after the after the Valera and Rocchio and uh, Bracco season. The next year, the Indians had another very promising international signing class that was getting rave reviews, and it included these three players that were all young shortstop prospects: Gabriel Rodriguez, who actually got a two point one million signing bonus. Uh, Angel Martinez and Junior San Quentin. They all played at the DSL last year. Angel Martinez actually had the best season of the three of them. Really good uh, on base ability, great stolen bases. But Gabriel Rodriguez uh, showcased a little bit more pop, and he actually advanced and got promoted to the AZL at the end of the year. So all three of them are very interesting uh, middle infield prospects to keep an eye on, though, moving forward. And they should all be in the AZL or higher this season. Uh, and then for outfield, uh, we'll try to keep this brief because we're, uh, but uh, Trenton Brooks had a, a really nice season last year, a double A, kind of a mini breakout campaign. Uh, Stephen Kwan walked more than he struck out. Mm-hmm. He had a really interesting season. Yeah, he had a very, he was a leadoff hitter for Lynchburg. And that was, I think he skipped single A entirely. So that's really impressive. Uh, they they just jumped him straight to to high A, and then he walked more than he struck out after skipping a level. Not another guy that doesn't have a lot of power, but really good ability to uh, avoid strikeouts and get on base and uh, and fast. So then uh, another player that some people have very high, and some people don't even know who he is. His name is uh, Alexfree Plainez. You heard of this guy? Eighty grade name. <laughs> yep, Alexfree. Plainez. Um, this kid is another big, strong dude. Um, he's shown some flashes, but he also has had injuries. Uh, last year, he did not play very long, like maybe a couple games. Uh, but people think, like, just from watching him in batting practice and watching him do reps, that this guy could be one of the next big things that soars through the Indian system as well. So that's another name to keep an eye on this year, Alex Free Plainez. And then uh, obviously we have Oscar Gonzalez, one of my favorite dudes on the whole planet, uh, king of the Indians in the cupboard last season, who I think took two months into the season before he finally drew his first walk. And they celebrated. And the <laughs> they gave team, him the ball. Yeah, the, yeah, the team <laughs> signed the ball and gave it to him. So best. Like somebody on, uh, I think Snapchat said, "This one goes out to all those three O counts that Oscar swung and got a hit." <laughs> if it's a good pitch, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, so and he made it to Double A, so he's another outfield prospect that's knocking on the door. But uh, he did he he did struggle at double A, but he was awesome at single at high A. Uh, that is the toughest transition I always mention. Um, so he struggled there, but that's not bad. That at I think twenty two years old, he's already in double uh, A, and you know as a former ACL MVP, um, you know this is definitely a guy to to keep an eye on. I mean, if he can add some patience at the plate to his game, uh, he's already got uh, an eighty grade arm and one of the best uh, ability to make contact and with good power adds a little patience. He becomes a legit prospect. So there, that's everybody on my (laughs) best of the rest. Like I said, it was a little long. I think it's important that people know who these guys are. 
it's a system that, well, perhaps not rated top 10 yet. There's just this glut of guys all at the lower levels that have two plus tools already with projection for more. So it's, it's, it's a lot of guys that all deserve some time. I mean, I'm just really excited because the Indians have a very young system. They have a lot of pitchers at the the high levels, but they also have a lot of elite top 10 prospect pitching arms at the low levels. And then almost all of their best position prospects other than Nolan Jones were at single layer or lower right now. So, and most of them are under 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So I think right now the Indians have like the number 12 ranked system, but if these kids live up to their potential, the Indians have a top five system. It's a, it's a good time to be an Indians fan because even though, you know, the other teams are rebuilding around in the central division and are look like they're starting to catch up, the Indians, I think, are going to stay good no matter what. Like, they have enough depth that as some of these star players start to leave the team, they'll be able to fill some of those gaps from within, which is huge, especially a pitching. I believe that brings us to a close for our first podcast of the year and season. Um, I would think our next podcast, we'll be talking a little bit more about uh, how prospects are doing in spring training, maybe projecting where people are going to land. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot going on right now. And a lot of Indians prospects are getting to play. Minor league uh, spring training also started. So those games you won't even see. Those like basically all the kids in the minor league camp are, are playing right now too. So there's there's a lot of, of action going on right now in the Indian. Baseball is back. Baseball is back. Believe next week there's nothing preventing us from a podcast. Okay. Good. Yes. Yes indeed. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time.
You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.